five, four, three, two, one. Hi, I'm Brandon Cronenberg. I'm the writer and director of Infinity Pool. And I'm Rob Cotterell, the producer and assistant director. I'm Kareem Hussein, the director of photography and uh, a kind of associate producer on it. Um, so here we are, uh, the Telefilm Canada logo. Um, the film was a, a tripartite co-production, Canada, uh, Hungary, and Croatia. Uh, and we shot in Hungary, in Budapest, and in Croatia, uh, near Šibenik on the coast at a resort. Uh, so these titles were uh, were designed by a great uh, Polish poster uh, poster artist, artist Alexander, um, who's known for uh, essentially doing modern versions of the the kind of old Polish poster style. He, he is, I think, probably most known in genre circles for doing the cover of uh, Romero's The Amusement Park, that great uh, open head amusement park ride. Uh, poster. So right now, um, obviously we're over black, but this shot when uh, the curtains actually open and you see Cleopatra Coleman by the window was shot in a mirror um, simply because the room was too small to get a wide shot, this wide perspective towards the uh, the water. So a trick we do sometimes is we actually put up mirrors to make a room feel bigger or expanded, and then we flop the image in post. Of course, there was a mirror joke in uh, the longer um, sort of assembly of the movie. We actually saw it was a mirror, but it probably played just better as is. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, um, th there was very little studio shooting on the film. There was a little bit, but uh, this resort, for the most part, uh, it, it was a, a pretty a pretty interesting location. Uh, it was built originally during communism, so it, it, it's the sort of brutalist. Uh, the base of it is this kind of brutalist architecture, and there's a, a sister resort that we wanted to get to, uh, but we didn't have time. That was up the coast that had fallen into disrepair. It was this, it's this great ruin uh, of an old brutalist resort. This one had been revitalized because a, a rich uh, Croatian bought it and and wanted to turn it into an almost Disneyland resort where each section represented a different part of Croatia and so there's this Dalmatian uh, fake Dalmatian village there's a it, it's a very surreal resort there's a kids hotel with a, a giant octopus sculpture sculpture on it there's a kind of sexy swingers club um, it was a very very weird place to live uh, for a few weeks and, and to shoot they shooting it over here you see uh, some of the really great work. Uh, we did this stuff as a splinter unit and uh, it was done with uh, Andrew Sividino, who supervised, one of the producers, who also supervised the second unit and Ignesh Pekosti, our second unit DP and B camera operator. This was all done on a movie bird, a 62 foot movie bird crane. And uh, my personal zoom lens, who's nicknamed Lucky Pierre, uh, a 1970s original 25 to 250 zoom lens, where we're essentially spinning the uh, the head. Uh, we're on a 360 degree remote head, um, sort of moving in on the remote head. So pickling in, as they call it, and then zooming out as it goes, which gives you this sort of distorted perspective um, going on there for these, these shots. These were done as a splinter unit, so we're constantly ping-ponging between uh, between units. 
Uh, here we're seeing the first the first look at the masks. Now these masks were designed by uh, filmmaker Richard Raphorst, uh, who's also uh, a great comics uh, comics writer and, and artist and, and a concept artist. Uh, and we brought him on because we knew the masks were going to be so central to the film, a, a central image to the film, and uh, we wanted someone with a, a really strong artistic sense to come in and, and with a kind of voice. And uh, Richard did obviously an amazing job. Yeah, and on the the general sort of look of the movie, we decided to really go for a shallow depth of field look, much like Possessor and the short film we did previous to Possessor, Please Speak Continuously and Describe Your Experiences as They Come to You. Uh, it was shot on the Alexa Mini with Canon K35 Prime lenses, which are old lenses, only slightly radioactive from the early 70s that uh, give you this very disorientating shallow depth of field um vibe going on and we used a system called the cine fade which gives you very selective control of depth of field to be able to give this sickly uncomfortable look we went for not your standard saturated uh resort it's all warm and 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 nice there was already from the beginning something kind of off and strange with this environment so we went for a more softer desaturated palette uh even more so than in possessor and now, interestingly, uh, this resort was very active when we were shooting there. They, they initially booked us to shoot during COVID, uh, and I guess they sort of expected that they, they weren't going to have uh, anyone there because it was essentially closed to the public. By the time we actually shot, it was a full functioning resort, uh, which made for some strange experiences. For instance, the FBI... <laughs> I remember this. I'm no, sorry. <laughs> the, the FBI... Uh, were there doing a, a kind of team building retreat. So uh, Rob and I were in the sea at one point and we saw this boat full of FBI agents show up. Um, and then they were there for a week. They were running on this beach doing a marathon with drones overhead sort of filming them and they were sitting on our set and kind of broke our set. Brandon so, and I would often have meetings in the, uh, in the, in the sea. <laughs> I, I would not partake in that because I'm not insane. But, uh, you know, th this was kind of a challenge to do, um, certainly with the mix of actual resort people who were hanging around and our extras going in there and the sun constantly changing. It was, uh, it, was it was quite a bit of a challenge to do this with our wonderful performers. Of course, this is the first time you see Mia with Alex in the frame. Yeah, it was a really complicated uh, scheduling kind of nightmare too to like to go to different parts of the resort, and uh, and take over certain portions of the resort on different days and what they would allow us to do and how long we could be there, and and some and with their changing schedule and our changing schedule sometimes didn't we didn't it didn't work out so well but we uh, we all communicated and uh, and made it work happily. Yeah, and the result is this great environment, which, you know, again, it's, it's actually even more surreal in, uh, in actuality. Yeah, we didn't take advantage of all the craziness that was at this resort, I don't think. We, there's a few things that we missed. Yeah, we couldn't find a way to shoot the giant octopus. Uh, we got <laughs> the- There was a choo-choo train. There was a, yeah, child's choo-choo train. Uh, some disagreement about whether we should have the child's choo-choo train in the, in the film, but it, was con it would constantly just sort of ride around the resort beeping and picking people up and dropping them off. It was, yeah, it, it really was like this, this weird sort of malformed Disneyland that we were all living in. Uh, and our lives at the resort ended up mirroring 
the film in some pretty uh, pretty disturbing ways. We, we really had to look inside ourselves. Especially with the food. Eating the, <laughs> eating the same food for a couple months became very surreal. Well, I mean, speaking of food, now we're back to day one of the shoot uh, in Hungary. This takes place in Hungary. So maybe, you know, like basically a lot of the interiors were done in Budapest in Hungary because it was a Hungary-Croatian co-production. So particularly this stuff. And it was done on day one. So this was an interesting sort of big meaty day one scene for all the actors to kind of dig into it and get to know each other and sort of riff on their characters very early on. I think it was a good place to do it personally because it's, that's what they're doing in the scene. This is their first meeting together. Yeah, right? mm -hmm. yeah, it I, felt I agree. To have it as a day one scene to me, they got to kind of define their characters and have you know, it's doing something like this later in the shoot would have uh, been harder to track, but they got to uh, figure out who they are a bit. Um, this was in a Vietnamese restaurant, actually. <laughs> Yeah, but uh, I think, uh, you know, again, it's a testament to our wonderful production designers, Zosha McKenzie and our director, John O'Regan, who, uh, who really got to dress the place up really nicely, uh, bringing the lanterns and everything. And again, this type of scene, we're mostly just very meticulously designing the practicals and changing the sets so the lighting basically is done with what you see on camera including that strange fountain at the beginning uh, that was occasionally bubbling too much and flooding the set uh, with some weird froth. So there was some fountain, residual fountain froth that you see in the movie that uh, was very real and had a particularly nice stench to it. And of course, we have the bun shop over here, one of my favorite moments in the movie. Everybody loves the bun shop. Yeah, the bun shop. I mean, Mia did such a good job. It was the bun shop was inspired by an infomercial I used to see uh, late at night in Toronto, uh, which was for something called the Ab Isolator, and the Ab Isolator was basically a strap that went from your knees to your feet and surely did absolutely nothing. But uh, in in this in this ad, if you tried to do a sit-up without the ab isolator strapped to your leg, it was nearly impossible. And there was this woman, every time she tried to do a sit-up, she would just f immediately sprain her back and start grabbing her back and writhing on the ground because she didn't have the ab isolator. It's impossible to do even one sit-up uh, without the ab isolator. Um, yeah, and because it was done on a very tight schedule, this movie was shot in 25 days, we're constantly shooting with two cameras. Uh, with Yohan Malnati, our A camera and Steadicam operator, and Agnesh Pakosti, our B camera operator. It's sort of the only way to really get uh, continuity with the performers in uh, dinner table scenes like this. Uh, you need multiple cameras to keep the dynamic going between the performers. Yeah, occasionally three and very occasionally four cameras, um, which... I, I I kind of like, I mean, there's occasionally we'd have to cross shoot just for time, uh, the close-ups, which I'm less crazy about because it, um, it's harder to focus on uh, on both of the, the performances. But we, we did a bunch of two-camera stuff in Possessor and then much more on this. And, and I do like it. I mean, you end up with a mountain of footage, which uh, makes the edit take a bit longer. But um, being able to to have someone catching details and, and uh, especially on a schedule like this was important. 
Yeah, a lot of uh, people are like, I don't like to shoot two cameras, but I actually love to shoot two cameras. I think it opens up so many wonderful possibilities. I agree. Yeah, that mirror we, was there. We, the we, yeah, we, we couldn't have made this movie with one camera. Yeah, no, there was no way. This disco is actually in, we're back to Croatia now from Hungary, and this disco is in the basement of one of the hotels on the actual park. So this is an actual sort of nighttime swingers disco that was uh, legitimately there uh, using local extras here. Yes, they're dancing to the song Telephone by most people, a great <laughs> Toronto band. Yeah, and you know, like this was, we, we augmented the lighting in here quite a bit with our own stuff and with the dimmer board operator and uh, everything. So we did our sort of own uh, disco lighting in here. This was shot on the Aerie Alexa Mini, which you could see uh, some of the limitations with the way colors play on faces here, which the new Alexa 35 cameras thankfully uh, beaten out and uh, now works a lot better. There were also a lot more extras in that scene than you see in the, on the picture, right, Brandon? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, Rob. <laughs> this uh, this square over here is legitimately there. Um, they had built it as sort of like, exactly like in the screenplay before, a sort of fake village that was there. This is on day one uh, in Croatia. While we were shooting this, the spinning camera shots were being done at the same time. So we we're constantly running back and forth between the sets, orchestrating the uh, spinning camera crane shots and uh, this more dramatic sequence. Yeah, this uh, this square was pretty interesting. It's been enhanced uh, somewhat by Zosha. They made those carts and, and of course, dressed the outside of the Chinese restaurant. Um, but most of it was there and kind of partly finished. I mean, they, there were sort of half pillars that weren't quite meeting other pillars. And, you know, it's a very strange environment in progress uh, to be shooting. Yeah. There's a pirate boat. The pirate ship was there. Um, and you do get a little hints of the Litolkan language here in some of the, an entirely invented language. Uh, there's a license plate. Yeah, the the um, the written and spoken language were both uh, invented by a linguist, Brendan Gunn, who um, who made a, a kind of coherent Litolkan for us. So it, it isn't uh, it isn't random. There is uh, there was actually a fairly long process of um, designing the language with him and. Um, this... Yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Go ahead. Oh yeah. This, so this is um, three hours, uh, about a three-hour drive south of the resort. Um, when we first scouted, we saw this location. Uh, well, it's 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 intercutting between the actors on one day and then uh, a splinter unit here with these amazing cliffs. Uh, when we first went to Croatia, we scouted this, but the resort we ended up in was was up the coast three hours, so we had a splinter unit. Um, uh, again, with Agnash and, and Andrew uh, shooting some of this stuff. Yeah, and the shots uh, of them driving, of the performers, the lead performers driving, this stuff was also done as a splinter unit uh, not too far away that Zosha and John and the art department did a really great job on. Yeah, that whole uh, village uh, they did built. Did not exist. Except for the yeah. barbed wire, uh, the very nasty looking barbed wire fence was, was there. Yeah. And the close-ups of the actors are done on a process trailer, which, Rob, maybe you might have a fun story about our experience shooting on that process trailer. Well, it was, it was uh, yeah, it was pretty entertaining when we were driving to this beautiful cove. Um, the uh, the process trailer, uh, the camera car that carries, that pulls the process trailer, decided to start uh, expunging diesel exhaust fumes uh, 
cleaning its system out into the actors' faces as we were driving. Um, apparently, it's something that happens once every six months or something, and uh, something that we hadn't experienced before. So we had to, we all thought the car was on fire, so we pulled it over and uh, and sent her and basically sent the truck away to drive away to try to clean itself out, but it didn't work. So then we ended up just doing it by coasting down the hill. <laughs> Yeah, it's it, because of European regulations. It was a diesel, a diesel truck, and twice a year, there's a day where it just has to like grind out this this uh, cleansing fluid, uh, and you can't you can't turn it off because it's a government regulation, and it just happened to be the day that we were shooting. Yeah, it was it was great. This is actually one of my favorite locations. That that the um, the 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 cove here is I don't know we don't see it, but it's literally full of sea urchins. Yeah. And one of the great uh, fun little things is, of course, as you shoot a movie, you shoot as much as you can on the actual location. But uh, we did a bunch of inserts afterwards in the extreme close up of uh, the sausages grilling in the uh, in the pan were done actually in my apartment uh, afterwards on my actual oven. And Zosha, our production designer who was cooking these sausages, the fat was flying in the air. She jumped back and uh, knocked over uh, by accident my Berkey water filter and flooded our uh, my, my neighbor's uh, apartment down below. So the danger of shooting inserts in your house, sometimes you flood your uh, your neighbor's apartment, who's also a cinematographer, by the way, so he understood and has worked with Zosha in the past. So we put the buck <laughs> off on them. Uh, but yeah, this is a wonderful location and really, um, I think, really cool framing and uh things like that with this in, within the scene we all got to go swimming at lunch too which was awesome it was so hot this day yeah so now these are inserts uh of the rocks of uh, the piss falling on the rocks these are done afterwards and we're going to end up with one of our first sequences that uh our friends at the mpa in the united states were particularly big fans of yeah which uh were incidentally this is this is fake this is a, a, just a very very uh, well-made silicone caulk, uh, courtesy of Dan Martin, uh, our effects designer, who is a, is a sort of expert at making penises <laughs> at this point. Um, <laughs> he apparently has a closet full of them, but also he uh, this this one was sculpted specifically for the film. He's going to put that on his business card now, Brandon. I think. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's already there. I mean, oh, he's very very proud. Um, when we shot this initially, uh, the inserts though the semen sort of gummed up and it wasn't, it, it was a little too clear and because of the heat there were some problems so we reshot this, uh, reshot this in the studio. And of course these uh, two shots of the cock were cut in the R-rated version um, by the MPA. The MPA is infuriatingly quite subjective in, in what they uh, will allow but the one thing, the, the basically the one objective rule I've encountered is no hard cocks. Uh, so. <laughs> However, the R version has a little bit more dripping semen to make up for it. <laughs> yeah, and again, those inserts were done afterwards in uh, in Toronto uh, it, on a stage. They're actually not done outside over here. More uh, wonderful transition shots done on good old Lucky Pierre, the French zoom lens from the 70s over here. And we're going to go off into a night sequence with wonderful steadicam work from our friend Yoan Malnati, who, as always, uh, 
is faithfully by our side doing amazing work uh, for us and with us. Yeah, he really um, saved us on this in particular because, I mean, stylistically, I love Steadicam. We all love Steadicam. And so, uh, you know, it's it's creatively something that I'd want to lean on a lot anyways. But a lot of the times, just because the shooting schedule was quite tight for what we uh, what we were doing, uh, we would be on the Steadicam just kind of out of necessity because we couldn't set up tracks and Yoen uh, really, you know, really toughed it out. It was it was a, a physically grueling shoot for him, but he really, really saved the film. Yeah. But even on the more tech technical stuff, well, the, the non Steadicam stuff, like the stuff that he did on the process trailer work, like, you know, process trailers can look pretty. You're going to see some of it coming up here, but process trailer shots can, you know, look pretty boring but he really uh he did such a great job doing what he did on this machine i thought oh yeah yeah he's a, For he's, sure. a he's a real artist and and is you know also did possessor and is just our our guy for as long as uh, as long as he'll work with us yeah, for sure. And also, Agnesh Pagosti, our uh, B camera uh, operator and second UDP, phenomenal work. And she uh, she was a bind. Um, I mean, she's Hungarian, but she lives in Germany. And uh, we, we, we had to track her down to get her on. But she was absolutely phenomenal. A lot of this stuff is lit with just battery powered tubes. It's incredible what you can do with the latitude and low light with these airy cameras. And uh, the Alexa 35 is even better for that kind of thing. So even the night exteriors of them walking up to the uh, to the truck were only done with battery powered uh, Titan tubes. That's it. Uh, it, was, it was quite impressive. Now this scene uh, was worked out quite a bit with stunts, and it's a combination of dummies, stunt person, um, a few different elements. Some yeah, inserts. There's actually a. We we tried to do it with just a dummy, but the dummy won't break the windshield. Um, so we had, a, we had a stunt performer uh, who hit the glass, but that the impact shot is actually half uh, half the dummy for the initial hit, and then when when the glass breaks, that's the the stunt performer falling into yeah. the, the mm -hmm. glass. So it, it's one shot, but it's it's uh, there's a sneaky cut in there that mostly actually worked without VFX. But um, Andy Robinson, our, our VFX artist, uh, tweaked the steering wheel for, for continuity. You know, all this stuff is shot in Hungary pretty late in the schedule, so it started to get pretty cold. We started shooting in September, which at the beginning, there was some really nice, warm, hot days, uh, particularly in Croatia. But at this point, we were getting into a cold environment. There's a Dan Martin original dummy head, Dan Martin and Tracy Lorder, of course, our amazing special makeup artists who are geniuses. All this stuff is really freezing when we shot it. Yeah, by this point, the actors were in and out of parkas and um, putting putting up with the putting up with the cold. We had to have heat tents, and it was it was not at all a, a hot. It wasn't pleasant to be in beachwear during uh, <laughs> this time of year, especially no. at night. Mia has a thermal. I mean, they all have thermals on, and Mia uh, has like a skin-colored thermal. But they were all troopers, and honestly, like you know, you know, they 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 did such a great job, and it was amazing to watch them work. Yeah, yeah, particularly Mia in this scene. Just the way she psyched herself up to do this scene was 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 quite stunning. It really was. Yeah, uh, yeah. I think with a with a less generous and lovely cast, it would have been hard given the schedule, given. The, the temperatures and so on, but there was just, yeah, not not a complaint for from any of them. They're just 
did it and were brilliant constantly in, in game and uh, lucky thunder and lightning here that we have yeah yeah that's yeah, real that's... a real lightning storm um <laughs> in the distance of course it was very far in the distance but uh, we, yeah. we caught some of it that was Croatia, and this is Croatia. This is the actual, one of the actual fences to the resort uh, where we added the barbed wire, but the actual fence itself, it is a gated community, the uh, the resort itself. That's the real fence. And it was real barbed wire. <laughs> real barbed wire we used, but we brought it in. Yeah, I think they knew so they had a military connection or something. There was uh, oh, apparently they had a military connection. Much to my chagrin, the the, the uh, barbed wire was a thing. I'm sorry, I'm not sure what happened. Maybe the fence is drunk tonight. James, you have your key call. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, again, this is all done on the steady cam with Yoan, just sort of following them organically. I think on this day, uh, B cameras off doing splinter unit work, so this was uh, a one camera only day over here where we're shooting this stuff. Thank you. Basically, augmenting practicals. Uh, I didn't want to do the fake moonlight in this one. Uh, make it feel darker. We have this path with the puke over here, where quite an adventure to shoot over this uh over again on a functioning resort where you would get surprises and you would have to just sort of roll with the punches as uh as they would come but we all did yeah a bit of a sprinkler system uh, yes yeah so... un un unbeknownst to us we were shooting uh, at a time when the sprinklers were uh time to go off and we got rained upon <laughs> we got rained upon and some gear was destroyed uh you know it was uh we asked if we can shoot in a field and we were told it was okay and then uh you know i think at the uh, at the resort they they didn't exactly tell us everything <laughs> as we went in <laughs> this well, is an right, you know, it, like ultimately you know th there's a marriage of real world and film world and they they, they don't they just probably didn't think about it yeah yeah they just Why? hadn't they hadn't had a film shoot that to shoot there you know yeah first film ever to shoot there and and they you know, were, you know helped us out as much as they could which was great yeah and if you ever do want to stay in the actual room that uh, alexander skarsgård and cleopatra coleman stay in at amadria park in Shivanek, <laughs> croatia yes room 305 is the actual room they're in and brandon even stayed in that uh room as well yeah it was uh... A lovely room. Here we are back in Budapest. Um, yeah. We found this industrial area where they have this incredible uh, above-ground piping uh, that was so so aesthetic. Um, that was also sp uh, splinter stuff that Agnes shot. Yeah, that was all splinter unit. This is day one. This is, uh, again, the first first sequence we shot yeah. um, with a moving car, just moving around the streets of uh, Budapest around the exterior of the police station which was in a courtyard uh in downtown budapest so this was the first first stuff and of course i think alex and cleo did a phenomenal job um first stuff this is it yeah the first first scene first setup actually we did yeah and these yeah. these cars are are volgas um they've been dressed by by zosha and her team with the with the lights of course in the lee token language but um they are cars that were used by uh, communist politicians in the communist era uh, in Hungary and in other countries. Uh, and there was definitely, you know, there was a, a flavor of kind of Eastern Bloc 
uh, authoritarianism in the script that was something uh, that it sort of touched on, but it, it, it was less pronounced. Uh, when we actually started shooting there, those, those elements, because of the real world histories of those countries, really started to kind of creep in and add to that, that flavor, as with the Volgas, as, as with, uh, with some of the shooting locations. So now we're back to Hungary in a location that's been used a lot in a lot of films. And the challenge was, of course, to use it in a different way. It's a power station in uh, Budapest, uh, I think, really beautiful location, a stunning location. And I think we've been able to shoot it in a different way from the way other people did, particularly this set over here, where we played it almost exclusively in silhouette over here and this is where you see the work of the vintage lenses with the chromatic aberration which is sort of the color dripping on some highlights in the windows over here this is on the b camera then the a camera stuff is on a steady cam moving around yeah this location it, it's funny because it's it's beautiful i mean you'll see more of it um as the sequence progresses um but it's this beautiful beautiful old power plant uh, that again was was built during communism, uh, but everyone shoots there because it's such a good location. You sort of go and then you fall in love with it, and then on the way out, you see the next film pulling up to <laughs> to scout it. <laughs> um, just prior to us, uh, we had the Mon the monsters shot there. Uh, there was a Bollywood film that shot there and repainted a sort of key element uh, that we wanted to use, and, and so we had to kind of adapt to that. And um, yeah, but it is so massive. It's so massive that, you know, like what we did is you can make it look like something completely different than what it is. Yeah, you know, uh, absolutely. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot of stuff that isn't used in those films, but we definitely there was a period where we went back and found all the different films that, that were shot there and tried to uh, avoid using the same locations or to I mean, there's one location. Um, the sort of control room the, that you'll see in a bit that you kind of have to use if you shoot there is sort of the centerpiece. Um, but well, um, let's be honest, it's why we went there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it's absolutely gorgeous. But but you, uh, we went back and and just looked at how it was shot in all these other films to try to find ways to to still use it, but to use it in a in a way that would feel unique and not just retread. Of course, we have Thomas Kretschmann here with uh, with Alex, who came in and, uh, to do a cameo for us. Mm -hmm. did brilliant work by Thomas. Yeah, absolutely. You know, as fans of Stendhal syndrome, you know, it's sort of like, all right, who could we get? Oh, what about Thomas Kretschmann? <laughs> you know, <laughs> out of the two Argento movies he's done, we'll go Stendhal syndrome. <laughs> a great actor and honestly, a really talented photographer. I've been seeing his photos recently. Mm. It's really good. No. Yeah, no, he's good. This was fun to play everything so up close as a mise-en-scene thing. I think the idea to play it more in silhouette and with all these close-ups really helps add the uh, paranoia aspect to it um, with him. And, you know, we basically burnt out that window. We put a diffusion behind it and we had a bunch of uh, HMIs behind it to keep it consistent. I think by the time we finished this scene, it was already nighttime. So uh, we were just basically playing it in silhouette and I think it worked morning yeah and you know it's a challenge for a performer sorry go ahead oh no i was just going to say it's a, it was another uh a sort of two camera situation where um we could get the this kind of frontal coverage but also have the, the you know at the same time spend a fair bit of time getting those kind of details that um we wouldn't have been able to do uh just given the schedule uh, with, with one camera
I just remember Crouch being really particular about the pen that he wanted. <laughs> there was a pen that there was yeah, a pen. He asked me to get the props guy to bring him more pens because he wanted a socialist pen. Well, they were all socialist <laughs> pens. The thing is, there was a pen that I, I loved. I kept it. I have it right here in my. Hand. But that's not the pen. No one can see that, sadly. Um, <laughs> that's there was a, a, teles, a telescoping pen, oh, that, pen that I really yeah. loved. That I, I thought at first, let's do the telescoping pen. Um, but practically speaking, in a rush, dealing with this telescoping pen uh, was a massive pain in the ass. And <laughs> also, Thomas, who uh, who grew up in Eastern Germany and. and uh, had a good sense of the, the socialist pens, <laughs> the, 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 the pens, the great right pens pen. of communism. It's a beautiful pen. I love it to this day. Yeah. I use it. It is. And, you know, he, he's tough stuff. Like he was walking around this, uh, this power plant, you know, with open toed like sandals, not really caring at all. We were all in work boots going, uh, gee, I don't know. But then Thomas Cressman, somebody who, you know, outran uh, the East German cops, you know, and was on the East German swim team. So I think it takes a lot to uh, make Thomas Kretschmann uh, be frightened of anything. Certainly, he's not afraid of a little bit of potentially uh, incredibly pestilent refuse in an old uh, Hungarian power plant. We had it hazmatted, Kareem. Let's. We did clean up. <laughs> it the was areas cleaned we, properly. We, we had the areas that we shot and cleaned. Yes, Rob. Nudge, nudge. Nudge, nudge. Anyone listening out there? Everything was safe, <laughs> particularly for Thomas Kretschmann. And his toes. His and his toes. <laughs> so now we're going to another spot in uh, in the power plant, which is in one level lower from where the uh, the main area was. And again, the challenge was how do we make this stuff look different? So the idea was turn off a bunch of lights and just like through the windows. ATM in there. Yeah, the ATM is hilarious. All uh, invented Lee Tolkien money from uh, Zosha and the art department. Yes, and a remote activated ATM. That, you know, was, um... Brandon, you were supposed to say that we had someone in there. <laughs> so this sequence was in another part of uh, of the space and again uh, all shot on the same day so we had to really hustle back and forth between these locations and make sure they were all pre-lit and everything because again the days weren't designed to be super long and it is only 25 days to do a movie with all these effects and super elaborate stuff we did shoot there for more than one day though we shot there for three was it two or three yeah three Three days in total, but yeah. Here's Alex. Yeah, this was should have been four. <laughs> yeah, Alex was uh, definitely a good sport about uh, doing all this stuff. There was even more additional comedic hijinks in the scene that didn't quite make the edit, but very but, funny in the rushes. Oh yeah, he loves Alex. doing this. He's got a, a great sense of humor. Is so game for this sort of stuff, and really, you know, really embraced it in a way that. Um, you know, an, another big star might not do, but he, he just mm. was so on board for all this stuff and so uh, did such yeah. a brilliant job. This was the last shot of the film. Um, this was on just this insert of, of his feet. Uh, it was in a studio and it was at the end of an incredibly long day and that stuff's really stained skin. So if we didn't do it in one take, it was going to be a big problem, but it worked out. Yeah. Uh, the this 
I was going to say the tiling. This is this is shot, however, in the uh, in the actual power station. It's a mix of studio and and uh, location shooting. Yeah. And this tile, when we were scouting, uh, we kept finding this incredible uh, th these colorful sort of hideous tiles and all these abandoned athletic center washrooms and stuff. And so we wanted to bring that kind of tiling into this uh, uh, this doubling chamber. Yeah, this blue going into the uh, orange-reddish fluid is done with uh, Chabakis, our uh, our uh, on-set effects person, who I thought was really good. Now we're going into probably one of the most complicated scenes in the movie that, uh, Brandon, I think you and James spent quite a bit of time on. Yeah, so this, I mean, I, I guess we could talk a little bit about how we did all this stuff. I mean, Kareem and I spent a huge amount of time uh, testing various in-camera effects, you know, dichroic, dichroic gels were used frequently, um, diopters and, and various ways that we could de deform through glass and, and gel uh, the image. Um, some of that we did live, but a lot of it was done re-photographing in Kareem's living room, so we would project hours and hours of footage uh, and then reshoot it again and again. Uh, through these gels and through through these diopters and with flares and it would, uh, building you know multiple layers of the same shot with different types of distortion that we could cut through, uh, cut between to, to kind of add this glitchiness to it, um, and intercut with that was a, a bunch of you know, some stop motion done by Dan Martin and uh, filmmaker Lee Hardcastle. Some of the effects stuff that they did, some stuff that we shot in mirror boxes that that Zosha designed. So uh, we had these these mirror boxes that were uh, one way or two way, depending on how you refer to it, glass <laughs> on, on the front. So you can you can shoot through this this mirror uh, without the camera being caught in this box of mirrors, um, without uh, seeing the reflection of the camera. But on the back there was a, a big sheet of smart glass. Uh, which allowed light through, uh, but not anything else. So we had this this pinwheel. Kareem, maybe you want to describe the the rig? Yeah, it was basically a spinning wheel that was about eight feet in diameter, maybe six feet in diameter, uh, that had Titan tubes attached to it, uh, where we could put different colors on them. And then when shot through the smart glass, it created this weird kaleidoscope of uh, mirrors absolutely everywhere. I mean, that entire sequence with James Vanderwater, our, our amazing editor, that entire sequence has 351 edits in like a two minute uh, span. So it's an incredible feat of editing that, that, that James and Brandon did sometimes like, it's like animation just with straight cuts. There's no CGI in any of it, uh, including the stop motion stuff, uh, that Lee Hardcastle and, and Dan did, uh, everything is legit over there. And this is that, that location that everybody shoots in. So our solution to try to make it look different from everything else was to make it red, <laughs> monochromatic red. <laughs> and, and, frequently... uh, yeah, sorry, and that little hut in the middle, I, I mean, it's been modified with the, with the sort of stepping um, structure and, and obviously the, uh, the thing that Alex's double is, is lying on or James's double. Um, but there is a little weird hut in the center of this room that everybody uses. And if you shoot in this location, it's kind of a, 
you know, uh, I think an unspoken competition now between films. What are you going to do with the little <laughs> with the weird hut. concrete hut? <laughs> in our case, it sort of looked like it was going to uh, blend in uh, to, to the set really well. But this Bollywood film painted it just before we, we got there. Um, yeah, we're going to end up with, uh, I think this is kind of the first jump scare you've done, Brandon. Yeah, it's sort of... I don't usually do jump scares and we kind of fell into it and almost as a joke kept it and then I don't know people like jump scares so <laughs> this uh, is back in Croatia uh in this crazy crazy location you guys found yeah it was it was fun we were we were being taken to see some other location down down where these uh military things were down by the um just probably a few miles from the resort actually um where boats used to hide they would hide from the 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 u-boats i believe or they stored the u-boats during world war ii in this i think it was the nazi boats hid there it was like the nazi the... boats where they stored them where they couldn't so they wouldn't get bombed yeah that's right and <laughs> we were just walk we were walking we were walking back and, and there's these these air hanger like things and i just i went into one of them and i was like just blown away by the architecture of the roof and i got brandon to come in and because we were talking about doing this outside at the uh at the power plant that you just saw that we shot and it, was, and it just felt like this was just such a more dramatic such a much more dramatic uh place to do the um uh, assassinations here. Yeah, it was a great find. I mean, the 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 interior of the the roof is very very striking, and they had a bunch of these these sort of bunkers. Um, yeah, it, it's kind of like a natural, uh, like a it's a park, like a kind of national park uh, that you can walk around. It's it's very beautiful, but it has all it's sort of strewn with remnants from the Second World War, and so yeah, these are uh, these are there was, bunkers. There was three of them side by side, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, we had lunch in another one of them, which was really <laughs> pleasant. Uh, so we're about to get into a lot of uh, Dan Martin uh, and Tracy Loader and the effects team's uh, magic over here. Yes, and this uh, this boy, Kristoff, was an incredible Christoph. actor. Such a good, I mean, such a good actor. It, it's fun. Uh, you know, some people ask, okay, you've done this this gore scene with a kid, you know, how was that? And... They were very careful with, uh, you know, it, it had to, it had to be approved by a psychologist and, and all the stuff. I mean, the the, the process around it uh, was very, uh, you know, formally correct. But he really was <laughs> was just an amazing. I mean, he wasn't worried about any of that stuff at all. He was just a, a fantastic, fantastic performer. Really, really easy to direct and. Uh, and you know, his, what he did with his face and what he, his physical acting was amazing. Yeah, and a lot of this stuff, again, um, there's little, like with most gore scenes, like blade extensions, things like that done with CG, but all the blood and all the actual genuine stuff, it's all practical. Over yeah, it's a combination. It's a combination of a wrap around Alex uh, and, well, and Mark Slaughter, also Alex's uh, stunt double for some of it, but um, also a, a, a torso that Dan made with incredibly well-punched hair. You know, the, the mm -hmm. stabbing inserts are all a real knife going into this meticulously uh, designed torso. And here we have uh, 
Alex, Alex watching himself and, and reacting. Um, again, great work. There was a lot of discussion in the edit about sort of how far, uh, you know, he, he has this moment and he gave us a great range uh, here of reaction expression. And there was, a, there was, a, there was an ongoing discussion. How, how far do you go? You need people to get the reaction, but you don't want to be too on the nose. I think that sequence also has absolutely amazing music from Tim Hacker and absolutely. it really elevates it. Uh, Tim Hacker, of course, the composer of the movie. I think the sort of more high pitched vocoder stuff coming towards the ending um, adds a different level to everything. Yeah, Tim was fantastic to work with. I mean, obviously a, a brilliant musician, but really uh, a lovely guy, you know, great collaborator, collaborator moving in to. Um, to film composition, he really is taking it seriously as a as a film composer, which is a different, very different kind of art form um, to what he what he does with his albums. Even though the process is similar, but just you know, sculpting a, a score around a film is a very different thing, and he's, uh, he's excellent. Yeah, and again, we had our first moment of the urns, the audience-pleasing favorite, the urn. Everybody that, uh, loves the urn. Yeah, Audiences we, seem to dig the urns. The, in the early screenings, we would only get laughs at the urns, which was a little concerning. But, um, so this, <laughs> yeah, that this technically uh, is an interesting shot. This is a Cinefade, a Cinefade special, but what we did was uh, we basically had only Clio in focus and a shallow depth of field, then using the Cinefade uh, opened up the depth uh, of focus so that Alex came into focus. Then when they were both in focus, sneakily shifted the focal plane so it was focused on Alex and then uh, opened up the iris again so that uh, so that he was the only one in focus. So this, this effect, uh, which only sort of focused nerds care about but uh, <laughs> it was done in camera and, and it's a, a, a kind of complicated shot yeah you need a tremendous amount of light to do this kind of thing because you have to set the light to the deep focus so for tech nerds i think our deepest focus point on this was between uh, t11 and 16. so that's pretty deep focus for shooting an interior and then you would go off to 1.3 for the most shallow uh, version of it. So the Cine Fade is essentially a mechanical variable ND that can also synchronize to the uh, exposure iris of the camera. So you can actually have uh, this fader ND move the exposure without drastically affecting the lighting uh, as the depth of field changes. It's a pretty amazing effect that we dreamed of wanting to do on Possessor, but didn't know that this piece of technology existed until it, uh, it came out over here. And then we used it uh, quite elaborately on this movie and, and I've used it on other movies as well. Uh, over here and it's really wonderful. And Jim Fleming, our amazing uh, collaborator, helped massage some of the uh, the the rougher on the edges things that the Cinefade gives. Yeah, but it was funny because Kareem, you like tried to invent the Cinefade on yes. on Possessor. We didn't know it existed, and we we actually did tests where we were sort of uh, crudely syncing uh, iris and exposure, um, which which kind of which kind of were interest were interesting, but obviously uh, without the the mechanism, uh, you couldn't sync it to that degree. Yeah, total Man, failure. Yeah, the unfortunate part about the scene that we're doing right now is that um, the woman, the background performer, 
that was told to start behind the tree that never left being behind the tree never made the movie <laughs> yeah there was, there was an amazing sort of tree goblin throughout the sequence this yeah. was shot in a working lobby which is complicated to do when uh when you're shooting uh something elaborate like this with dialogue and everything yeah alex was very uh very patient because we there was a, a sort of because it was a functioning lobby, there was like a real receptionist and our actor receptionist who both had to use the computer. And so we were trying to block with Alex, but next to him, there was a lineup of old people who needed to get toilet paper. And <laughs> so juggling our movie with the functioning uh, lobby was, uh, was complicated. We had originally planned on doing this sequence uh, in something called the On Vogue Beach Club, which uh, is very well worth visiting if you ever go to Amadria Park in Shibenik. But uh, it was going to be a night sequence. The winds were going to be too heavy. Uh, it would have just totally been a nightmare. So we were able to uh, to work it out that we shot it in this space and our answer to give it some visual panaches well let's make the background blue then won't we because this actual blue background lighting was a common thing in the actual park when we showed up they would light a lot of their night patios blue so we sort of took inspiration from the real place um to go with this more striking uh neon blue look for the background something to the experience isn't there these extreme close-ups were done uh, using diopters on a 135 millimeter lens, and I think it's quite a bold decision on Brandon's part that I really love to finish the sequence with just extreme close-ups on the face. Uh, and not, I mean, normally we use a macro lens for this stuff, but it gave it a different look. Um, yeah, it was also a time thing. This is uh, this is also in Croatia. This is our last day of shooting in Croatia. Yeah, in in Shibenik proper at the D Resort. Yeah, yeah. different resort. Um, and yeah, it was starting to starting to rain as we were shooting. And now this is in Hungary. This is very early in the shooting schedule. I think this is day four or five, maybe day five. Uh, we did the scene. Yeah, this was a very strange sort of compound, almost a suburban compound, but uh, it was it was, you know, three quarters built. Uh, still in development, the, these modernist houses on the outskirts of Budapest. Uh, really interesting stuff. I was honestly a little reluctant at first to shoot in this place. It looks great, but it, it was I was a bit worried the room was going to be too small. But um, but it really worked out, and you know, Sosha and her team did a, a great job with the with the design here. Yeah, the neighborhood was sort of like a weird J.G. Ballard type uh, environment, which went along with the very Ballardian themes in the movie uh, over there. And of course, this scene, uh, the long zoom lens uh, zoom in, which is actually a B camera shot um, that we're doing on Lucky Pier of the zoom lens, just slowly moving in for the entire sequence, which was more a post-production decision, right? Yeah, we had more coverage of this, but it just, I don't know, the shot was so much more interesting to me um, and, and hiding them, you know, and hiding the group initially and, and sort of almost cutting it together as a radio play and focusing on, on James uh, and Gabby and what they're doing turned it into uh, a scene that, that I was much more happy with. I, I don't know, something about the conventional coverage was just not really, uh, not really landing for me. Everyone here is a brother. 
Well, we fell in love with this shot on the day, I remember. Yeah, I kind of, it was one of those moments where you secretly have it in the back of your head that maybe this is just... The one. This is the mm -hmm. one. I forget at what point we found we found it in the process, but it really, on the day, I just realized, you know, either we were going to lean on this heavily or maybe it could be the full scene. And then when we started to, to cut it together, that was... Can you guess which one of us was... I mean, again... It goes with the mise-en-scene idea that so much of the movie is done from James's perspective and isolating him from everybody and sometimes having a lot of voice uh, going on over his face. It's also something you didn't possess or with Andrea Riseborough. A lot of the, you know, background people were just on close-ups of her face. Yeah. Yeah, and especially with, you know, with two cameras. I mean, you, you know, you, you, you get more coverage, but... It allows you to make those decisions when you're in the room and you're editing. Yeah. I mean, it's the kind of thing I'd like to also give the performers and, and Brandon, of course, a lot of freedom with the lighting. I don't like to box people in with the lighting. It's all very meticulously designed, thinking of if they go into any corner of the room where they're going to land, that it'll look cool and there's a lighting idea behind it. So um, I had a very good gaffer a croatian gaffer a spina is his nickname and then we had a hungarian team as well we we're working with um so we, we we thought everything out quite uh quite meticulously <laughs> this is the actual kitchen in the uh in the house just in a corner again tight corners there's two cameras going all the time so I think B camera was on a counter up high and then A camera was on uh, shooting through a broom closet or something. It was quite uh, tough to stick in, but we did it. Again, going on these long lens ideas, a lot of headroom, shallow depth of field. I think every single lens other than a cine fade uh, shot, every single lens was wide open on this movie just to get that voyeuristic, strange shallow depth of field there's a something menacing around every corner yeah and in this case it's like a new skin uh, mia is the particularly menacing factor she's so good <laughs> in this movie she's so and this kind of predatory thing that she does this kind of snake persona was so great mm. yeah and i think uh we got this location just basically because the the owner of the house his daughter was a movie fan and wanted to find out more about movies so thankfully we got this location because uh his daughter was a horror fan yeah i think he made his fortune gold plating cars for uh saudi, <laughs> like saudi princes or something yeah he had small models of cars yeah he had done real real versions of them though that were gold plated or covered in gems yeah, and jump scare number two for Brandon Cronenberg over there with the gunshot going off. Yeah, sorry, I don't know. It's just <laughs> mood. So we get to see the group here. Jeff Ricketts. There's Ricketts. Don't worry about this guy. It's a very funny movie. I think, uh, you know, so much of it is an irony. There's Amanda, Carolyn. Yeah, and the whole ensemble, Jaleel. like, just came together so insanely well uh, you know yeah. the chemistry between them was just very natural and just i don't know we really lucked out that there was really no like no no one felt awkward i guess yeah no they were uh, you know again lovely 
lovely people, great performers, but also you can see actors individually and love their work. But especially in this context, the group had to sort of function as one entity. You know, it was the, it was this one sort of uh, amoeba that was constantly swirling around James and surrounding him. And especially in this scene, you get the you know the different voices and. Um, everyone kind of swarming up to him and convincing him to, to go with them. And that's not something uh, that necessarily was going to work. I mean, they're all great actors, but it was really the first day we had them together was in the first week in the power plant. It's, it's a later scene where they're all uh, sort of in jail together. And uh, they had a bunch of dialogue. They were all playing off each other. It was the first scene uh, that they were in the room together. And I thought... This is such a relief, you know, <laughs> again, not because I didn't think they were going to be great, but just they were so good as a, a, a uniform entity. They were so good playing off each other. Um, so that was that was a, a moment of relief for me. So wonderful music from Tim on the uh, gift shop over here. Real, uh, real cool track here. And a great gift shop. By our yes. Team. Absolutely. That really shows off the masks uh, over here. And of course, when we shot this stuff, it was way, way, way brighter in the room. And we just set it up uh, so we could use all the lenses, including the zoom lens, where we did, again, the zoom in with them all standing there and just the people switch out. And it's one consistent shot was was quite an elaborate technical feat to do. Another elaborate technical feat was getting these masks made by uh, um, Richard Rapphorst. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, this shot. Yeah, his designs really fantastic. I mean, he's such a such a great artist. And then um, there was a there was a company in Budapest, Ivan, that um, that made them, and really, uh, really in line with his designs. Ultimately, did great work. Yeah, this is some process trailer stuff in uh, Hungary. The gift shop was in Croatia, an actual old gift shop uh, that was decommissioned inside the hotel lobby uh and now we go back to the beginning of the shoot in hungary we did one week in hungary then went back to croatia did two weeks in croatia and uh then went back and did i think uh, a week and a half or something like that in uh, in hungary yeah and this is back in hungary but after we shot in croatia this is this yeah. is one of the the last days um and it was a tricky one because just timing wise again we had to shoot this entire uh, this entire sequence at this location in one day was probably should have been you know ideally two and a half days so we had to be pretty careful with uh, with what we were shooting and uh, it, yeah. was, it was a hard one to get in but again the actors were so good and everyone was so game it just it made made life a lot easier yeah it was a tricky one and uh, and also freezing as hell for all these naked people to be uh, to be over there in the lobby afterwards and everything. So we had to put up electric heaters and, and all that. Mm -hmm. It was the whole thing. And another fun fact, uh, the guy who plays the um, Botfrey 2 owner was in a movie called Taxidermia, only he was a much, much weightier guy. He had lost an absolute uh, mountain of weight, but he's actually the eating contest guy in Taxidermia for you Hungarian weird genre movie fans. Yes. And, and also the, the front man for the band Holy Voodoo. <laughs> for all of you fans of that band. 
But uh, they were total troopers, and uh, Casey Hudecki, our intimacy coordinator, really helped us out an absolute mountain during these sequences. Who she's she's an absolute wonderful presence to have around. And yeah, she really sure. did, really did a great job, and it, there, there were a lot of actors to track because we had um, you know well, all the actors, also the body doubles. There was a lot of nudity, and it was really uh, actually very helpful to have her um, checking in with everybody. And, making sure we were operating within everyone's uh, comfortable boundaries and, and such. Yeah, this was a hell of a day. I mean, we not only had to have them going into the place, we had to shoot all the action inside with squibs, with effects, with everything. It was, uh, it was quite an intense one. And this was, again, towards the end of the schedule. So we had already shot in two countries, uh, at this point this location is an old villa there's no normally no furniture or anything in it this was all this was all dressed but the location's amazing it's this it's this great um this great place um and one of the locations we scouted for this that we didn't end up using uh was a, a, another kind of palace that i believe they said was fidel castro's brothel was it yes. Castro? castro yes, it was. Yeah. um and we didn't end up shooting in the former brothel of Castro, but we shot on that property later on. There's a farmhouse that we discovered kind of by accident there um, mm -hmm. that, we'll, that we'll talk about. Um, but we went with this villa for, for this location. Yeah, so not shot in Fidel Castro's brothel, but shot near Fidel Castro's brothel, <laughs> Infinity Pool. That's how it goes. <laughs> Again, wonderful work uh, with Mia here. Yes, I remember yeah. her. Her hair was quite a continuity thing to because those curls were very specific. So in between takes, uh, Daniel, our uh, our hair uh, supervisor, would come in and work. And also, Daniel was very good with the picture vehicles. Yeah, he would yeah. come in and help us out when. <laughs> He's a, an antique car rep, uh, restorer. So when in the convertibles that. Uh... You've seen them drive around, and you'll see them again. Um, uh, on, on, upon occasion, when they stopped working, when we were shooting, he would come to set and fix them for us. Yeah, they had stalled yeah. out, and I remember Rob being on the walkie just saying, Daniel from Hair, can we get Daniel from Hair? And he just walked over there, fixed all the cars, and then like a superhero just kind of disappeared into the night. To go back to doing <laughs> hair. Yeah, to, to go back to doing exactly. hair. Exactly. <laughs> Yeah, and again, Chabakis uh, did some really nice uh, on-set uh, effects here. Yeah, physical effects too. It's very good, and that's a yeah. great uh, Denmark. Yeah. yeah, the Bollywood dance. They did quite an elaborate choreography for this, actually. Yeah, this dance, a lot of it didn't make it into the film, but um, this, is a, this is a sort of local dance troupe from Shippenik. Is it going to make the special features, Brandon? <laughs> this step again was the end of a chaotic day um, where this was just at the tail end of, uh, of the day going on. We had to rush in and get it, but, but we got it. Pretty happy about that scene. Back into room 305 in Amadria Park, which uh, this is a room you stayed at in prep, Brandon, I believe. You actually stayed in this room. Yeah, they put me up in this this room it was very very weird again the, the the kind of mirroring of life at the resort and life uh within the film 
was kind of it was sort of fascinating but a little bit nightmarish you kind of felt like you were uh, invent like shooting inventing your own life writing your own life and in a, in a really in this case unpleasant way although you know, the, the, the shoot <laughs> the shoot was great but the mirroring was kind of nightmarish yeah so we're back in in uh, good old the power plant over here. This was the first scene the group shot together as a group, correct? Yeah, this was the scene I was mentioning earlier. So they were all mm -hmm. they dropped in together, and you know we blocked the scene, and it was just they all clicked very quickly. Um, all with all, all and naked under the robes too, right? This yeah, was, we we threw them. They exposed themselves together. Yeah. And with great humor and great, yeah. <laughs> great generosity, yeah. and just absolutely, yeah, could not be happier with the, with, with the cast. Yeah, they all went for it. That's for sure. Maybe not today. Yeah, and again, uh, this we added a little bit of fill light just for the foreground of it to see the group a little bit better. But again, you know, this movie goes dark, um, and your primary light source is again the light coming through the windows here. Yeah, just just absolutely great performances out of all these guys. Yeah, um, I remember uh, this this the officer here that grabbed Mia. Mia Mia asked me after a couple takes if if uh, we could ask him to be rougher with her. <laughs> yeah, a lot of the actors wanted to be. They wanted to be different. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but Mia was pregnant for the entire shoot, so <laughs> that <laughs> you know she, she we had to be very careful. Yeah, not absolutely. Back in uh, back in those in Croatia, and those tunnel extensions were built on the outside of these hangars over here. But this was again the entire sequence uh, within this hangar was done in one day. So we had a morning for the first uh, for the first kill, and this was the afternoon with all of these wraparound prosthetics that Dan Martin, Tracy Loader, and team had to put on. It was it was quite an elaborate thing. Uh, for everybody, this was a this was a pretty charged day. Yeah, I remember Dan saying uh, there was a, there was a long kind of cleanup process that he was going to have to go through with Alex. Uh, so he said, you know, it's gonna, we're going to have to clean up the blood and clean up, you know, the, everything after the prosthetics. And Alex just jumped in the sea instead and <laughs> cleaned himself up like that. You know, that's the level of. Uh, Good, yeah, good humor yeah. and goodwill on this. It's a very Alex thing to do. Who's... Yeah, there was a beach right outside the door. <laughs> yeah. Alex is one of the great people and one of the great performers. Uh, this is the hardest CGI shot in the entire movie. The removal of Mark Slaughter's knee pads, Alex's double yeah. on his knees. That is the most elaborate CGI shot in the entire movie. And of course, the way we had to shoot this stuff is we had to shoot out the axis of Alex clean first. And then we shoot the axis of Alex as a double second, dirty over uh, Mark Slaughter, however that would be, or vice versa. So you basically have to break the sequences up and find stuff to shoot in between, such as these slit throats, which are a delight. It was a scheduling uh, masterpiece, I think, that day. <laughs> <laughs> if, well the first done, day <laughs> if the first AD would say so himself. Well, you know, <laughs> but it was, it was, it, it was very, very it, was, it wasn't not complicated. <laughs> yeah, very complicated stuff. So this is, uh, 
when you shoot a scene like this, again, there's so much beautiful, very subtle work from Yoan with the Steadicam, particularly in the the kill of the group previously, um, which has a bit of a sallow 120 Days of Sodom vibe to it. I think uh, that got the kind of like scary fascism murder thing going on. Um, all this stuff is on the Steadicam. It's, it's just such subtle moves. And then there's B-camera sort of punches on there. And due to the lighting of a sequence like this, where you want to see through the windows, you have to pound a lot of light into the actual room. So even though it feels relatively dark in this room, it was actually, again, super bright. So you could see through the windows uh, in the interior. Yeah, and such really good, subtle moves. Uh, Johan is a master of doing that kind of stuff. And yeah, the eye light on Cleo is just basically that big honking light uh, by her to be able to get um, to get to be able to not burn out the windows. Yeah, Cleo also absolutely wonderful, wonderful. to work with. Really just did great down. work. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, another really one. Another person we got really lucky with. Yeah. So this scene coming up was shot at actual magic hour. Um, so every minute was uh, the sun was in a different position. Um, so the cine fate helped a lot to be able to maintain the shallow depth of field during this. But at one point, all it took was one minute of a delay, and then the sun was in a different place, which obviously didn't make me go insane and lose all my remaining hair. Well, it was quite mad because we were doing this scene at Magic Hour, and also we had the complexity of a rain queue. So we had rain towers set up to go off on a queue too during the ever go, you know, diminishing sun. Yeah, you see actually some ghosting from the filters we used on his arm over here, which means light reflecting on the different filters. But we decided to keep it and not. Um, get rid of it digitally because it metaphorically it made sense for the doubling stuff going on over here yeah and the, aesthetic, the, the aesthetic really is to embrace the those kinds of you know, physical imperfections and, and uh, you know that, that kind of roughness uh i like maybe it's just because i've grown up in an era of really clean clean shooting but um, yeah for sure and again uh you know, I think with uh, Jim Fleming, our color grader, we were able to balance it out into a world where where it cuts. But yeah, once the rain starts, uh, the sun was behind the mountain. I know. I'm I, I'm very well aware, audience. <laughs> you know? yes, everybody is. <laughs> yes, surely. yes, I know the sun is gone now. There was lots of running around and yelling, you know. Painfully fucking aware. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, there it is. And the rain worked out. It's fun. And also when we're shooting this, uh, the tourists were just wandering around wherever the fuck they wanted to. Like the people in the background, those are real tourists. Those aren't our people. Yeah, they were just see, like <laughs> You can see vacation. where we own the beach too. Yeah. This stuff's been reversed in post, right? Uh, yeah, there was a bit of reversing in post that uh, that was James. James's mm -hmm. idea. James Van yeah. And yeah. he still is confused by the fact that I wanted to keep it in, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> it just added to the dreaminess in a way that I enjoy. Sort of back to our stage, if you could call it that, at the uh, in Budapest, uh, where we shot this and the whole orgy sequence and the interior of the doubling chamber was done on the stage and the mirror, huge mirror box room. 
Um, yeah, this was the see. last two two days, I think. We had two days yeah. of studio just at the very end. So mm. um, this is one of those. One of those two days. Again, the two cameras really helping out to get these these inserts while we shoot the main action. So that was really cool. And there was a whole system rigged up that when the Yankee Gate goes in, that it's just water vapor coming out. Um, so it wasn't harmful for the performers or anything, what they were smo yeah. smoking. There's this version, which is um, Chaba made a, a sort of, you know, sparky, <laughs> a sparky substance that, that would cause the red sparking. And then the rest of the scene, it was, it was a water vapor hidden in the mm. pool. Yeah, for it was, sure. Again, sorry. I was, uh, you know, it was fun to figure out that kind of, you know, the the physical uh, design for things like the drugs and the, you know, to the, that sort of, although it's a semi-realistic world, the the kind of world building when it came to those details and the culture and, and working with our props team and and Zosha's team, uh, yeah, it was a lot of a lot of fun to figure out what what the Lee Tolkien, you know, old pagan religion is how that it intersects with uh, the, the modern uh, authoritarian regime and so on yeah so great music from tim over here as well yeah this was one of um going into the orgy there were certain tracks that tim wrote blind uh you know so, some of it was written very much to picture once we locked the picture but there was a bunch of music that he sort of wrote blind to give us uh, when we were cutting uh, to sort of see what the film would take and what it wouldn't take, you know, what it would... Uh, to give us a chance to sort of use some of his music as temp music and, and through that process figure out what the, the score textures would be like. And this uh, this upcoming cue for the orgy, uh, I mean, he, he reworked it once the cutting was done, but we actually cut to it initially. Uh, it was something that was mostly written uh, not for that scene, but just one of these kind of initial experiments, which were so great, and, and a number of those ended up in this the film, um, almost as is. Yeah, so this is uh, pretty much well the poster child for our practical effects. Again, no CGI in any of this. Everything is done in camera, and uh, all this stuff was re-photographed, intercutting with original material, where sometimes we would hold basically a split-field diopter, which is basically like a, a half of a magnifying glass in a filter holder um, with a piece of dichroic film wrapped around it. And dichroic film, again, is a kind of film that depending on the angle you look at it, the color changes. And we would re-project this stuff in my living room on a projector and Brandon would be the one in front of the camera while I was operating the camera and dealing with all the technical things like playback and exposure, um, moving the diopter, the flashlight and uh, everything it was actually a little, uh, little Zanny cube that he would move around. So Brandon was effectively being the color puppet during the sequence. And it's intercut with pretty much a little grab bag of all of these like weird inserts, a lot of them living room inserts, some of the stop motion stuff uh, that, that Lee Hardcastle and Dan did. Um, and of course the onset shooting of the orgy, which was uh, basically, I guess, the Olympic run for Casey uh, Hudecki, our intimacy coordinator. Yeah, but all it went really smoothly because it was all choreographed beforehand. So we went, you know, we we had yeah. rehearsals and yeah, yeah, it was basically yeah, exactly. It was a series of sort of you know configurations basically designed in advance with the actors and, and rehearsed. So on the day, it was very easy to say, okay, this is you know. 
we had it all we had it all laid out in position like to position one these two actors and and we would run them through the positions that everyone had agreed to right yeah yeah exactly and so it was all uh it was all actually really smooth and kind of um, yeah it went amazingly the cutting it cutting it was interesting because so we had this mountain of footage uh, including, you know, things like there are drops in uh, a, a tank of water that, that we shot using a probe lens submerged in water and drops of food coloring. Um, there were all these different uh, angles on the mirror box with this sort of pinwheel stuff. There, you know, um, And James and I had to kind of invent a language in a way to talk about that because it's all very abstract stuff, but you keep coming back to the same sort of visual themes and experimenting with... Uh, not just which frames you put in, but the frame order. You know, if you, if you have three frames in a row, single frames of different images, uh, depending on the order, you know, different frames will, will pop up. There was this sort of this very experimental process. But to do that, we needed uh, to kind of invent a language and, and you know, figure out how to refer to all of these different things so that we could, uh, we could cut faster and, and explain our ideas. And uh, this is also a showcase of a lot of the amazing puppets that uh, Dan Martin and uh, company built as well, uh, where you have things like the penis coming out of the vagina, you have the uh, defecating breast, uh, the Yeah, so let's make that clear. A lot of people have asked the question of what's happening with the breast, but it is clearly a shit breast. (laughs) Yes, that is, is, it is defecating. Currently there it is, another (laughs) puppet. Human bodies cannot do that. That is a puppet. Yeah, this room was also really cool that we built. There's a pretty funny edit over here. This character had a bit more uh, play in the script, um, but only ended up in this version. Yeah, through no fault of his own. He's a, he's a really good actor, but um, it was early on. There's a confrontation with him and James in the lineup at the the buffet that just sort of detracted from the the sequence ultimately yeah movies have to be a certain length and uh do they yeah i don't feel like that's true anymore (laughs) well for us it is uh uh, again a lot of really fun long lens stuff here going on good job rob rob is the the, one uh, i I was gonna say i don't think he used my best shot I think I think the other time that I hit the uh, the dessert tower was better. It wasn't. It was terrible. <laughs> that was, you, you did, but that was a yes. good one. Yeah, uh, Rob was very insistent on being the one to throw a, to throw the glass, I believe it is, on the or wine bottle into the dessert table. That's yeah. Rob's jam. It was the end of the day. The restaurant was kicking us out, and Rob uh, managed to get it in really, you know because of his yeah, great yeah. accuracy yeah i mean I, I do throw a lot of alcohol bottles around so I, <laughs> it's natural I'm pretty, good, I'm pretty good with my aim back to hungary when it's cold we're at the budapest airport over here shooting in this uh, building we couldn't enter because it was uh, totally asbestos condemned but we could shoot outside of it yeah. over here it's a disused uh, building near the airport um that uh, that ambulance is also based on a, a communist era uh, vehicle that is, is apparently very recognizable if you grew up in, say, communist era Poland, for instance. Yeah, and you'd run from it if you saw it coming down the street. 
Good old Lee Tolka brain and spine. Yeah, this was, uh, we were constantly, we looked at all sorts of places to find this location. You can see the asbestos from here in the <laughs> ceiling. There it is. That's this, that's kids. That's what asbestos looks like. So this was fun. We had a bit of a stunt over here with uh, Mark Slaughter. Not only was the double, like the body double for Alex, but also was Alex's uh, stunt double. And he's been performing that duty quite a bit uh with alex on multiple multiple movies uh because they their their resemblance is really quite striking um yeah it's it's interesting because if you see them side by side you know different faces obviously but when you um it's not immediately obvious until you start cutting them together and then mark is i mean a, a great performer and and stuntman but also really uh, and there's slaughter yeah. going down and the guy driving back over there. It was a quickie, but a goodie. And no, that shot of the van is not sped up. That's actually how it went normally. It was bumpy. It was a bumpy thing. I thought that they had sped it up, and I was like, Grant, what have you done? And then he's like, no, that's actually how it was. And I was like, oh, shit, you're right. And here's Mark again under the sheets. Yes. Very polyvalent, uh, Mark Slaughter. So this stuff over here was again done on uh, the same day, I believe. No, this was done on the day that we took them out driving, wearing the masks. So this was the morning we did this. This was again maybe day five of yeah, the shoot. It was in that first week. Yeah, um, and yeah, early. a lot of a lot of the group stuff was done in that first week. And I was, yeah. uh, you know, f for day one, I liked it. For some of this stuff, I was a bit a bit worried about doing that much um, of this of this sort of character stuff early but i don't know you know it, it ended up being good they really it sort of helped everyone lock in those dynamics um, yeah and this house had particularly like amazing stairs that the uh, matriarch of the house was very proud of those stairs so we lovingly displayed them uh in these sequences over here and these are these are shots that ignesh caught uh b camera shots reflections in the table which are really cool, those weird reflection shots. And again, some amazing steady cam work with Yoan following Alex and everything. And Alex certainly gave us some pretty amazing improvised sounds and motions here. Yeah, this was one of those scenes. I think it's one of my favorite scenes for Alex and also Mia. Um, Alex, I mean, it was a hugely physical day. I think Alex just sort of like went to sleep in the makeup chair after this because it, it was just... Um, went so far with his physical acting and gave us this amazing palette to work with in the in the edit um really really pushed himself all the way and then Mia's, he gave us the gift of g g g g which we weren't expecting but we love, we love <laughs> yeah, g, 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 g g g was incredible <laughs> <laughs> and then mia's just such a creepy predator i, mean, I think mia coiling around this scene is like just amazing yeah, I'm an absolutely massive fan of Mia's woo at the end when she gives a very subtle yeah. woo at the end. Woo. Yeah, Mia gives good woo. So that's uh, that's Slaughter in the uh, in the bag on the ground. Mark Slaughter is uh, stunt double. Which is a lot more complicated of a stunt than one would think. Mm. Being being smacked around while you can't see outside of a hood was a, a, a bit of a thing. Well, there's audio cues you have to give. So he knows actually when it's happening. These are all yeah, uh, pit, piss rigs over here. They're not actually pissing on Mark. 
<laughs> so you know. <laughs> so you know, audience. They're not actually pissing on Mark. It was a long day, though. Uh, um, but they are actually pissing on Alex. And there was some, yes. some hilarity because Alex thought he would be pissing on Mark, but of course, <laughs> Alex has to be in the hood as we're about to see, and so the tables were turned. Yeah. I really love what uh, Zosha and John in the art department, uh, Rita, our set decorator as well, uh, really did a great job dressing up this place. There's her woo. It's so good. These stairs. Great uh, little micro prosthetics by Dan Martin, applied by Tracy Loader, which are such a difficult thing to accomplish considering Absolutely. how close up you see them and they're seamless. We didn't have to do any CGI cleanup or anything on the seams or anything. It is really, really stunning prosthetic work. This is all a one over here that EON did, which is the kind of thing that looks simple as you watch the movie. But when you're operating the heavy camera at the end of a day, you definitely remember doing the shot. There's quite a bit of choreography when we go outside of the window as well. With the blue lighting, we augmented the blue lighting in the balcony below, but uh, below this house, there was blue lighting in the patio as their main thing. So that became one of the visual motifs of the movie. Again, you place everything quite meticulously. The folks probably did a really good job on this movie. Um, Peter, he really... Uh, the A camera and the B camera focus puller as well. They didn't have some of the focus tool, assist tools that you use in North America. Uh, they were just sort of pulling it blindly with a little cine tape at the top. It's pretty impressive. Yeah, it was really yeah, hard for focus because it was all pretty much wide open, um, very yeah. shallow, and all, all those uh, all those steady cam moves were, were tough. Yeah, for sure. Something again. The electric blue light, I think, worked very well in there. And there was always, I think, in, in the edit, a debate with James. Do you actually go out and see Mia or just keep her as a voiceover? But I'm happy we went out to see her. Yeah, it breaks the one or just at the end. But it's, uh, I mean, yeah. she, she was doing really good stuff in the hallway. Yeah. yeah, that lamp for the end of his landing was very meticulously placed just to get that little light on the side of his eye over there. They think we don't think this stuff out, but we do. A zoom shot on B over here. Lucky Pierre ended up uh, being used quite a lot on this movie. This voyeuristic stuff. One of Mia's hilarious lines. I think that was actually, might have been Yo pushing in. I think that was Yo on that? I think so. Oh, I think it was a on one slider. camera day. Okay, yeah. Not that, yeah, this yeah. Is, not that this is interesting material for the for yeah, well, it people is. watching this. So this is, the passport, this is funny, Brandon. This is a funny shot. Not just the passport, but the first shot we did this, when Alex reached under the thing, he pulled up that there was that tube by the sink. Yes. I don't know if you guys remember, but he pulled the tube by accident and it spewed sink sludge all over him. Like it the sure did. Smell, the smell of death took over the entire apartment. Yeah, it really did. <laughs> And he got covered in the goo and <laughs> had to do a big reset on it. Yeah, but finished no. his take and it really smelled like shit. But no one <laughs> no one knew sick. just how bad it was until we went into the the room afterwards. Yeah. Um, it, 
So this is going, uh, this is finally, uh, there's a series of moments of people hiding things under sinks in Brandon's oeuvre that is unseen, that you all don't know about, because it's either always been in scripts or always been cut out of movies that we shot them. Uh, this is the final uh, something being hidden under a sink moment uh, that we're able to shoot, and it's the passport, which if anybody is confused about what the passport is, Brandon, maybe you could once and for all clear up any potential confusion as to the passport. What is that passport and who hid it? Right, so yeah, James hid the passport uh, because he didn't, <laughs> he didn't want to leave, but it was surprisingly hard to get that to come through. There are some people who still don't know who hid the passport, but <laughs> the, the majority of people seem to get it now, but it, we, there was a whole scene there where he digs it out, uh, but people kept thinking he was finding it by, like, by accident, and it was a you know, we changed dialogue in an earlier scene to help set up the passport thing subtly. It was a surprising amount of work to, to get people to view that as James having hidden his passport. Um, <laughs> this was pretty elaborate stuff because we this is all real. Like, there's no faking. We had to synchronize the car driving up, Mia with the gun, smiling, with the actual movement of the van. That's a practical window shattering. Practical window. Although that's a parking lot. Yeah, that is a parking lot. <laughs> spl splinter unit shot a, a, a bus stop. B bus slamming on brakes. Yeah, yeah. Because we just didn't have time. Yeah, we had to, we took over control. We controlled this road, I believe, for two days. Uh, yeah. Um, and uh, there, fortunately, there, the little town below, there was a, another access way. But uh, it was, a, I mean, look at this location. And, uh, and we had full run of this road for the time we needed, which was amazing. Yeah. The, oh, for sure. This was yeah. This is probably my favorite Mia moment. The mm. scene in the in the film, and she, I, you know, she's as she'll say, she's a sort of emotional actor. You know, she's she's uh, in that she she wants to get herself worked up, and uh, which is a great process to watch. It's it's wonderful to see her like, sort of amp up. In this case, she started these shots outside of the car and kind of was running around the bus, slapping at the windows and taunting Alex uh, in the bus to get herself worked up, then would run into the car, and then we'd start the, start the shot. It's funny, when we were shooting it, I remember distinctively, like in the script, she does say the word James a few times in the script. It's written as James. And uh, and then when we were going, uh, I remember you were just like, yeah, yeah, and you could, you know, just make something out of taunting him with the name James. And then it turned into what you see in the movie, which is this absolutely amazing visionary use of the word James. <laughs> so uh, she really went for it. Yeah, I mean, that was, you know, one of the great things, you know, why you cast someone like Mia or, or someone like Alex is because you know they're going to bring this level of artistry to the to, to the role. And so that, that scene, I think it's kind of a, a peak scene uh, for her character now. Uh, it, it's delivered, you know, by word for word, in a word for word sense, it's delivered as it is on the page, but she just made... Uh, so much of it that it really that it really elevated it into this kind of peak for her for her character. Yeah, this bit was a challenge to do um, for various mm -hmm. reasons. Like having a, a pregnant woman on the car. The car is actually not driving. Uh, it's being pushed by a grip. 
behind her um and we wanted to put an umbrella on top of her but the wind was so heavy it would have been like a dangerous thing to have um i'm sort of happy the umbrella isn't there in the end i think these shots minus umbrella are better i don't know i sort of missed the umbrella but <laughs> but there was no it was just a good umbrella there was no way to to have it on the car there was no way to make it work it was too windy. Yeah. it wasn't safe and um I mean, the sun was changing every two seconds. It was an absolute nightmare for me to try to keep control of it. And with Jim Fleming in the final color grade, we we're able to balance it out. I think, I hope at least to a way that it doesn't um, sing too much to the audience and they concentrate more just on the amazing performance and dialogue and, and the actual crazy content of the sequence. I mean, that chicken bucket is a legitimately Tolkien chicken bucket with a pretty amazing logo on it. Which was, I think, uh, in the script, it was more of a fancy buffet. The chicken, uh, I think that was that was a Zosha idea. That <laughs> was one of many good ideas coming out of her department. Yeah, I think on this day, even though it was like a tough one to shoot, when we just saw that what Mia and Alex were giving us in this, it was sort of like, okay, this is going to be tricky, but wow. Again, these evil reviews, we've all had terrible reviews. I think this is particularly a, a wonderful uh, fuck you to the world of the review. It's, I mean, it was <laughs> definitely, you know, I, I wrote the, the script before I made Possessor. So there was this eight year gap um, between my films and I definitely uh, was going through some sort of uh, desperate <laughs> desperate periods feeling that my, my career was uh was stalling out and, and dying and so um you know james isn't really a stand-in for me but some of the writer stuff is definitely a kind of self-mockery of my uh, my feelings during that period of time um apparently other writers find that scene funny because everybody every writer is a sort of you know desperate self-loathing hermit creature <laughs> So you were reviewing yourself. <laughs> Scathingly. No, no comment. <laughs> <laughs> Got to give uh, props also to Mia's stunt double in the sequence who did really a wonderful job, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Really an amazingly well, good match, too. So this is uh, a forest near where the, um, the barracks are that we shot these inserts yeah. at over here with squibs and everything. It's all practical stuff. Yeah, and this was sort of the one, one of the moments where we sort of didn't get it on the day and actually went back and did, um, I mean, during the shoot, we, we went back to this location and uh, reshot Alex here because uh, we were just rushing that day and didn't quite get enough. And James was doing the assembly and, and you know, rightly flagged that we, we kind of didn't have enough on Alex there. We needed some more connective tissue to get us to this part. Yeah. yeah. It was a bit of Which a... Which is... Yeah, weirdly complicated. This seems like it's not a problem, but the sort of balance uh, of the time jump and everything was sort of weirdly hard to, to smooth out in a way that felt coherent. We also... There was another scene that was lost there where he... he falls asleep in this tower um it was it sucked to, to lose it because it was a good tower it was the sort of old power <laughs> station 
um, tower, power tower. Um, I love the tower. Yeah, yeah. It didn't really work rhythmically though, which caused some subtle editing problems that don't. Well, speaking of towers, we have this amazing penis tower next to Fidel Castro's bordello uh, in this uh, farmhouse over here, and that was back in Hungary when it was quite cold. Yeah, this is near the near the palace that was the brothel. That we didn't build that tower. That water tower was there, and this farmhouse yeah. is a very old farmhouse. Um, this interior is the interior of that uh, that okay. house that you just saw. It could have been the viper the viper barn, though, Brandon. It could yeah. Well, the first place we scouted was in Croatia, and it was this kind of great ruin, but very far away. And as we were scouting it, our uh, location uh, scout said. Watch out for vipers. Yeah, yeah watch out for vipers. <laughs> and he started walking around and stamp, stomping his feet. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry, we can clear the vipers out. But you know, yeah. sadly, we never got to find out find how out. good the viper guys were. Yeah, this is this is a great set. I think Zosha, John, Rita, and the rest of the uh, the rest of the crew really worked this out over here. Yeah, it was. Um, again, this is the this is the interior of that old farmhouse, but um, totally empty. Uh, normally, I'm not sure. I'm not sure what they use it for. I mean, the now. I mean, I think you can rent out that palace. This is sort of a, a kind of old old building on the property. Mm. With scary Kristoff coming in, doing an amazing job. Yeah, it was three stories actually, and there was a bat living uh, with our crew in the second story, kind of lying around. So now we're getting into more Dan Martin's special over here with re-photographed elements as well, intercut with original stuff. All re-photographed with the same techniques. Yeah, so again, yeah, we shot this uh, with Cleo in the actual farmhouse. Um, and then some of this you'll see we, we shot in the power station, but uh, Kareem and I re-photographed it from projections with these varying layers of distortion. And, um, and amazing and cube, cube masks. Yeah, yeah, Dan designed these masks. This is, I think, a pretty clever editing thing as well, because the intercutting between the original footage and the re-photographed footage, you have to zoom in a little bit to not be able to see over the edges. So it creates a really interesting, almost editing animation staccato thing. The split head effect is pretty cool. The, yeah, the split head was shot again, sort of after the fact on the uh, hand job prosthetic day. Mm -hmm. Back in yeah. Toronto. This is another one of the most difficult CGI shots in the entire movie, just erasing camera shadow, which you could never tell. Um, the most elaborate CGI in the film is for banal stuff. You would never expect CGI to be done, but really well done by uh, Andy Robinson. Yeah, that was, yeah, it's none of the Hello? hallucinatory effects are CGI, but he did a lot of sort of cleanup shots, which were, again, necessary, just given the schedule, we're moving pretty fast. And so, uh, you know, he, he, he saved us with, with his paint outs and um, that was... You keep dissing the schedule. <laughs> not, not the schedule within the schedule. I, Your work was great, Rob. Yeah. But we, didn't have, we being, didn't have a lot of... I mean, I can't do. help but feel a little attacked here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, the schedule within the schedule is great, but being told you have 25 days to shoot this movie, you also, Rob, were not crazy about that idea. But it was a masterwork of scheduling within those 
parameters. Yeah. Schedule within the schedule of the time that we had to do it in was pretty, pretty, pretty brilliant. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Rob. Brilliant scheduling within a very difficult time frame. Jaleel Lesper, I, I don't know if he gets enough love in this, but he's really hilarious. I think he really pulled off Albon so well. Yeah, did a great job. Uh, and he is also a very good director. Yeah. So this shot, again, we, we use the actual flares from uh, the lights to try and hide the pregnancy factor, which I, I suppose we, we made work. It's a pretty elaborate thing with the framing to, to make that work. All this stuff, uh, we augmented the headlights of the car. The idea is to make it look like the light is coming from the headlights of the car, but we have a bunch of little lights hidden around. And this was complex because it was so freezing when we shot this. It was like at least minus one degree Celsius when we shot it. Yeah, and Alex and Slaughter had to be naked. Yeah. The funny thing is they had just come off, as Alex will tell you, um, the Northmen. Yes. And in the Northmen, they were shooting a lot of naked fighting in Ireland in the freezing cold. Yeah. And so the story goes, one of Alex's reasons for choosing this was it's a resort movie. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to shoot it on uh, the Croatian coast. It's going to be a beach vacation. And then this day was negative one degree Celsius <laughs> and snowing. Uh, they had to do, do naked fighting in the freezing cold again, hilariously, which I secretly think, you know, he knew and wanted. I think <laughs> I think he likes to do that to Mark. Yeah. <laughs> Alex likes to go hard, man. Uh, so, yeah, this was really complex because you had to shoot out one side, the slaughter side first. And then you had to go shoot out the Alex side. So we had to all very meticulously plan the stuff. And there's quite elaborate steady cam shots during the battle as well that of course EON did greatly as always and uh just intercutting with the performers we did this in I think a day and a half this sequence was it not something like that yeah the fight about a day and a half yeah uh... the, the fight was pretty tight I mean they um the good thing again because Mark his body doesn't exactly match Alex but he is a, he is a pretty close match and so we we did this uh, without any kind of effects or anything. We could kind of do an old-school mm. uh, doubles fight and have them switch roles and um, just through the framing uh, get, the, yeah. get the fight scene. I mean, for a doubles movie, there's actually zero double CGI in the thing. Yeah, it's all straight cutting or framing. We didn't do any split screening or anything either, like any of that. Yeah, it's just all done with editing and framing. Yeah. Pretty good match. That was a pretty good shot from Yoan. I really like the way it spins around them there. There's some Ignesh punch-ins on the slider from the ground. Yeah, there's a good job these two. Again, it's just freezing, freezing cold. No complaints. They were just... Uh, just troopers. They were just all in. It was really uh, yeah. lovely of them and also very helpful. And again, some of the most elaborate CGI is erasing of knee pads. Uh, Slaughter always had this these is sort all of, like knee pads on. Yeah, that's this true. Also, our infamous animal abuse uh, sequence. <laughs> yeah, uh, when Sundance, <laughs> the film premiered in Sundance, and for some reason, uh, they had us marked down in the advisory as uh, having graphic animal abuse, 
which was confusing because <laughs> that's one of the only things we didn't do and uh, <laughs> online people started getting mad at us for the animal abuse that is in the film but it's because the doubles character is called the dog <laughs> yeah i don't know if it was just an ai going through the, the script or something yeah this is amazing work from dan martin absolutely um, and tracy loader and and a lot of this and the whole 13 fingers effects team um this stuff these inserts were done uh, after the fact in our special effects shoot day yeah there was a, i mean there was a really good uh torso puppet that we shot on the day um, but I had initially, we talked about how far the, the head would go, and I was initially initially sort of interested in kind of a collapsing head, like head that would not split open quite so much, it, because it's obviously a bit of an exaggeration to, to have the head split um, that far. But it just didn't quite give the climax what it needed, so Dan um, made this great exploding head, and, uh, and we reshot it. Yeah, and then there's this scene. <laughs> and then there's this Coming scene <laughs> you know again a sort of uh a mockery of of neediness and male insecurity and um you know i'm not speaking about myself of course uh, <laughs> in... the man baby is an autobiographical the man baby is an autobiographical <laughs> um, but hats off to the performers for just going all the way on this absolutely movie. You know, it's pretty impressive. And it was freezing cold when they did this. So. And I think you know. it ended up being a kind of, It's interesting. The MPA uh, really pushed to, to censor certain things. Like the violence leading up to the shot, uh, they had a problem with. But that actually wasn't cut at all in the R version. Mm -hmm. um, there were a few things that we sort of weirdly got through in the R. Which is strange. This is another one of those one camera days when uh, B cameras off doing splinter unit stuff or second unit stuff. So again, you have to balance out the light in the room to be able to see through the window. So it's it's really really bright in there, yeah. even though it feels dark. I miss you. With the urns, our favorite shots, the hilarity-inducing urns. Yeah, the urns were the star of the show in the task room, yeah. I guess. Uh, but that was, you know, the, the film's intended to to be funny. And so when we were initially showing it to, you know, our friends and colleagues and these, these sort of small test screenings, you, you show it to people during the edit um, to, to because you're too close to it. You need to start getting outside eyes on it who don't know the script. And we just got almost no laughs. Only the urns got laughs. Everything else just <laughs> nothing. And I thought, we are fucked. Like, like, if people don't find this movie to be at all funny, then we're really really in trouble um and so it was a relief at sundance we had a really lovely audience and they they got the jokes and there was a lot of laughter and the the mood was right and so i i kind of didn't really relax at all about it until that screening um just mm. because of the the, the the humor seemed to be coming across to people yeah, and I think, you know, as you go throughout the movie again and watch it, look for the wonderful, subtle little things that the group are actually doing, like Carolyn Bolton, John Ralston, Amanda Bruegel, Jeff Ricketts. They're always giving little hints of gifts and things like that, like during the GGG attack, Amanda's eating a salad, you know, and things like that. They, there's a lot of funny little things that they do in the corner of the frame. This is done at the Budapest airport. We shot a much more elaborate opening to this 
um, that didn't make the cut. It, it didn't need it. But this is a rare moment of Brandon using an 18 millimeter lens, so enjoy it. Brandon doesn't like to use wide lenses so much. <laughs> this part of the, yeah, the, yeah not, I don't go too wide, but the architecture really uh, deserved it there. And this is a, it's a closed down part of the airport that they use for filming, but actually just outside of here is where the private jets land. They do, they do checkouts and check-ins for, for private jets. Otherwise, this is a massive wing uh, that's basically a film set now uh, that, that mm. was part of a functioning airport. Yeah, these are all uh, Hungarian extras that it was pretty cold at that point outside. These kids who apparently don't know each other. Really? Yeah. They were very funny together. That was, that was you know, they just sort of were running around. Um, that wasn't really set up. <laughs> no, we shot them without telling them we were shooting them, remember? We just, yeah. I, we just rolled cameras and let them be natural. It's a good trick for extras. Yeah. This wonderful zoom and stuff over here. Then the controversial reveal of the year the movie takes place in, 2018. <laughs> and uh, well, this... why, why is it controversial? Because People. there's a secret a secret <laughs> meaning behind that date yes. that, that I'm not going to reveal. Well, it's only controversial for the people that don't know. Right. Yeah, no, for all of us, it's obviously the key to understanding the film. Absolutely. Everybody knows that the 2018 date is is actually what makes the whole movie. So all this stuff is wonderful um, splinter unit um, stuff uh, done with uh, Andrew Cividino and Ignash. Yes. Emmy really award winning stuff. director. Emmy award winning. And, and Dominique, our second AD that was running. Correct. This, to make this look like it was dark and stormy, we had to pound an absolute mountain of light on Alex's face and darken up the sky. It was full on sun when we shot this. And this, uh, this cue um, from Tim up until the end before the credits music comes in, that, that was one of the ones that was basically as is. He, sort of, he wrote that in the early stages and it, uh, we threw it on and started cutting to it and it just worked, uh, it worked so well. So it was, it was tweaked a, t a tiny bit at the end, but it was mostly mostly as is this title concept uh who came up with this so it was uh james's idea to do this column we were feeling uh feeling around for for kind of a look for these cards and uh, james vanderwater uh, came up with this column idea that worked really well um, i wanted to do the color shift uh thing i was thinking about something that just there wouldn't be the sort of standard credits but I didn't want to do a really elaborate sequence and so just having this sort of slow shift in, in color in the background um, again yeah a, I mean a little reminiscent of the possessor credits uh, it, it's it, this is kind of a sister film in a way to possessor not thematically so much but just in terms of some of the the visual stuff that we're exploring they're, they're, they're related Yeah, I mean, it's really fascinating. The color shift actually goes through the uh, the entire color spectrum. It starts on red, goes throughout the entire wheel, and then ends back on yeah. red um, for the very ending of the movie, which is pretty cool. It's very cool. Yeah, I get a, a lot of people make comments on the uh, on the credit sequence. Mm. Yeah, and it's funny, you know. I mean, all the titles in this movie are essentially kind of jokes. Like, the movie begins with a bunch of font jokes and ends with some doppelganger color jokes. So, you know... For those of you out there who think that's hilarious, 
you are served, people. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we hope. Um, but yeah, I would recommend going throughout the movie again with the pause button and uh, looking at some of these very elaborate uh, montage sequences and hallucination sequences and just looking at them frame by frame to really see the insane editing work that James and Brandon put into it. Uh, it's really stunning when we're doing the color grading uh, which Jim Fleming at Company 3. We had to obviously go frame by frame through the stuff and just watching the little bits and pieces. There's so many gifts like subliminal gifts hidden throughout the the whole movie. I say gifts like a present, not a gift like a uh, internet thing. Uh, you know, it's something I would highly recommend uh, you do because there's so many just wonderful discoveries you'll make uh, just going frame by frame throughout all that stuff. Stuff you never even knew you had seen. Yes, but only if you're an absolute lunatic. Yes, and uh, I'm assuming and hoping <laughs> if you bought the UHD of Infinity Pool, you are a wonderful, absolutely amazing lunatic. Yes. We hope so anyways. If you've bothered to listen to us ramble on this long <laughs> about this film, you're probably crazy, but uh, in a way we appreciate. Um, yeah. The kind of crazy we'd probably want to hang out with. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this movie actually did surprisingly well for itself uh which considering how weird and antisocial it is uh it actually had you know a certain type of success and was well received so you know we want to thank you the audience uh who have gone every way to see this who supported it who actually paid to see it you know thank you um without all of you we're nothing and uh you know because of people like you were able to uh, continue to make these crazy movies. I think we really need to thank the comedy urns to, to get us there. <laughs> yes. Thank you urns and your hilarity. Also, we don't know if we're allowed to keep making movies, but we'll, yes, that, that's a little, you know, to be determined. TBD. Yeah. And to be determined. Well, at least we'll try to continue to make movies um to do that so you see now we're in green it's it's really a fun thing watching these titles on fast forward is pretty hilarious because you can just see the colors go really quickly um, another thing if you have a remote control and a lot of time on your hands you could uh, you can enjoy as we have because we have both those things <laughs> yeah i feel like we're making a lot of assumptions about what could possibly be entertaining for people <laughs> <laughs> I, don't know. I mean, you know, I guess, I guess when you make a movie, you assume that you are the principal audience for this, you know, so you you like to assume that other people are obsessive and weird as you are, but maybe not. Maybe you shouldn't do that. Um, or some... so, sorry, go on. It's a seven minute uh, credit sequence. So yeah, I don't, I don't have a lot of material left. I don't know. Uh, how are maybe. you guys doing? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I think, I think, you know, this was a pretty special movie. This is a movie that was, we never knew if this movie was going to go before Possessor or not. Um, we actually location scouted this movie before we uh, began the hard prep on Possessor. And it was always a question because the financing of Possessor was so dubious and complex, which movie was going to go ahead. So in many ways, they are sister movies. Um, well, they were, they were both sister movies in the um, ritual that we did for two movies. That's true. Which we right. now need to do another ritual, which we forgot to do in Berlin. Well, we can do other ones. Rob, what's the ritual? What did we do? 
uh, we uh, we burned a couple frames of antiviral in a in a tin. Uh, and, the thirty five mil print of antiviral. Thirty five mil print of and 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 we said that we needed to make. Uh, uh, we stood around and said we needed to make two movies that would be good. Yes, we said two frames, two films, and they're good. What we forgot to say is two frames, two films. They're easy to shoot and they're good. <laughs> uh, that was the one thing we forgot, but uh, but that's okay. We we got it in and we're very happy. Uh, but we need to add we need to add to the next ritual thirty days to shoot. No, 35, Rob. You okay, let's say 35. I know how this works. So we'll say 35 days to shoot. Yes, we need to have minimum 35 days to shoot a feature. The 25-day thing isn't so great. Yeah, and but that, we did it. That tin is still on Kareem's uh, balcony, but it, the raccoons of Toronto yes. have just been yes. relentlessly shitting into it. So <laughs> I don't been. know. <laughs> I, I don't know in terms of what that does to the magic involved in our. And, and what I that think means it for increases the magic factor. You think? Yeah. With Absolutely. their parasitic shit that they have to Ooh. always put on a fucking hazmat suit to clean and uh, effectively, uh, you know, boil relentlessly afterwards. The ritual only gives strength to the ritual to, to like, go into the, the next movies. Uh, well, you, you really get a lot of insight into our <laughs> lives when the credit sequence is seven minutes. <laughs> <laughs> Correct. Yeah. You know, many, many of our friends are thanked over here who we love very much. So thank you, friends. We love you. Uh, you know, and next time maybe we should come up with a ritual that doesn't open the door for raccoons to go and shit all over it. Maybe maybe things will be easier next time. They're very cute though, the shitting raccoons. They're adorable, they're but they're super cute. They're adorable, but their shit is poison. So uh so you know there's parasites in them that they if they get in your eyes, they can go into your brain and you don't want it. This so, is a very guess... Toronto problem, I think. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> For those of you not in Toronto, the raccoons, adorable, but the worms will get into your brains. And uh, for those of you who don't have to deal with that, um, that's, 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 yeah, I feel that's really good. I like that for you a lot. Yeah, you can you can only dream. So, you know, that's that's it. So I guess thanks, everybody, for watching Infinity Pool and surviving this commentary as we have. Yeah, no, very much appreciated. Uh, you know, again, I've uh, been fortunate to be able to screen the, this film for uh, a number of audiences live coming out of the pandemic. You know, it was uh, it was really something wonderful to to meet people and and to show the film in person. And uh, the crowd's oh, yeah. been really. We lovely, shot so. this during COVID. Yes, we <laughs> shot this during COVID. Um, so yeah, thank you, thank you all for for getting this and and for watching. And it's, it's very much appreciated. Thanks, everyone. Thank you.